Welcome to About the Winelands. In this show, we'll be chatting to leaders, influencers, wine producers, restaurants, winelands businesses, and other role players. Tune in every Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday for our latest episodes. You will find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to About the Winelands. Today, I'm speaking to Deirdre Taylor. Deirdre is the um, Sales and Marketing Manager at Canon Corp Wine Estate. Good morning, Deirdre, and welcome to About the Winelands. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. It is our pleasure. So, Deirdre, I'd like to know, and I think our listeners will be interested to know, is um, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you became involved in the wine industry. I suppose, like all good things in life, uh, the wine industry happened to me by accident. Um, I grew up in Cape Town and I, I moved to Stellenbosch to come to university. And I was studying, uh, I enrolled to study industrial psychology. And I realized during the course that in, industrial psychology was not really for me, but I, I completed my degree. And of course, got exposed to lots of wine along the way. Um, so a very, very happy, very happy accident. I started working in the cellar door um, at Morganoff years ago. And that's where my journey started and fell in love with wine. And, and I think I've been selling wine since 2002. So quite some time. That is quite, quite some time. How long have you been at Canoncorp? I'll be here. I started in September 2013. So just under seven years. Okay, that's quite a while as well. So, you know, Canoncorp a, has a rich history also, and also um, um, this with some famous winemakers. Can you tell us a bit more about Canoncorp, its history and its winemakers? I think one of the most fantastic things about Canoncorp, so everybody involved here, really, you feel like you're part, of, you're part of one big family. And we are just under, I think we're around 65 people that work on the property. Um, and for a winery that's been making wine since the 40s, and now our brand started in 1973. That was the first, that was the first vintage that labeled that the, the name Knonko appeared on, on a wine label. Um, and we've only had three winemakers since then. So Jan Borland Katia was our first winemaker. Obviously, at the time, he was also a Springbok rugby player. So whether he made wine during the day and played rugby at night or vice versa, you know, that, that's, that's what he did. And it, um, he's a very colorful and very interesting uh, persona, personality to chat to, and hugely, hugely knowledgeable. And you can still ask him now, so what was the vintage like in 75? And he'll be able to tell you, oh, it was a this or that, and so much rainfall, it was a dry year, or this was a challenge. And he remembers each and every one. It's, it's incredible. So we have a really long history of, of, of very, um, what I'd say, big, big characters, big personalities, and also hugely talented winemakers that have worked on the property. But we've actually only, as I said, had three. So Jan Borland was our first. Um, and then obviously he left to, to take over the reins at, at, at Frisenhof and where he carried on making wine there. Um, and then Bayers joined us in 1980. Um, and obviously in the 80s, tough time for, for wine industry in South Africa and, you know, obviously all one still under apartheid, but it was under um, the curatorship or under the, the winemaking or the cellar master of, of, of Bayers that Canonco really started to become well known. And uh, Bayers was also responsible for making the first vintage of Paul Sauer. So Paul Sauer started in 81, um, which is our flagship Bordeaux blend, and he was the, the winemaker to make the very first one. 
Um, and uh, Bayer's, you know, we, we still see him around on the property quite often. Him and Aubrey are really good friends and, you know, we, we, we do joint tastings with them. And often when I, when I travel overseas, you know, we'll do pinotage, masterclasses or pinotage events and, and Kanonga Bayer's Cliff would, would be involved. So he's very much sort of a, um, a presence on the property and we see him often. And uh, also a very personable guy. He has, he's an incredibly good storyteller um, and he's very engaging and people can relate to him. So on top of being a great winemaker, he also has a great, great personality that, that people love to chat to and enjoy. Um, and Bez uh, was our winemaker up until 2003. Um, and then Aubrey joined, Aubrey, who's our current winemaker, was actually making wine at Swatland, at Swatland Co-op. And Bez met him and he brought Aubrey on as his assistant in 2002. Um, and then Bez fell ill uh, over harvest. So, Aubrey ended up doing the 2003 vintage on his own. Um, and then Bears later, later left and he, he went over to Bearscliff. And Bearscliff at the time was a winery and a cellar that, uh, that the owners of Canonkop and Bears owned together. And then later uh, the, the Krikers sold off their portion. But so Bears effectively he went over to his own winery, which he still has today. And then Aubrey took over as winemaker uh, for 2003 and is our winemaker still today. So for a, wine, for a winery that's been making wines for all these years, only to have three winemakers is really significant from, uh, from a legacy point of view, from a consistency of style point of view, but also from a really a great understanding of what the property and what the vineyards have to offer. You know, a, a vineyard, it takes a long time for you to understand what's, what, a, what one particular vineyard is going to give you. You know, what a dry looks like versus a wet season, what cover crops work well, um, and then, you know, what, which vineyards do you combine best, what barrels to use, what barrels you combine best. So I think Aubrey has an incredible knowledge of the property, and that would be difficult to, difficult to pass on, and it takes uh, personal experience and, and, and working with all of those elements for many years to have a true understanding, um, and that's part of what, what makes Canonco so successful. And the other, the other thing is that each of those winemakers have made a Canonical style of wine. They haven't made their, their own style, if I could put it that way. So if you taste through 40 years of Canonical wines um, and you didn't know where one winemaker finished and another started, you'd be hard pressed to find you know, where one, one winemaker started and the other one, and the other one finished because there's such a, an incredible consistency and Canonicalness, um, consistency of style through, through all of those wines. So the Kanonkop is a family-owned winery, um, Johan and Paul Kricher that own the property, two brothers. And they inherited the farm for, from their mom, um, who was a sour, and her father was Paul Sauer, and his father was J.W. Sauer. So it's a fourth generation um, family property that passed from the Sauer, Sauer to Kricher um, family through, through marriage. And uh, we've always kept things quite, you know, quite simple. Um, and that's simple, I don't mean in a, in a, in a, in a lack of complexity way, I just mean that we, we're really focused and Johan always, always stipulates, you know, that his, his ethos, you know, we talked about being back to the future. So he does what he does well, we do what we do well, we don't try and reinvent the wheel, we don't have restaurants, hotels, you know, big, big events, big functions, um, that's not what we're about. We're a, we're a winemaking um, property, we have a great cellar, we focus on red wines, and even more so, we focus on two great varieties, Pinotage and Cabernet. So we like to keep things quite, quite simple and uncomplicated and focus on what we do well. 
And I think that's had a, a very big impact um, on the business and, and on, the, on the seller and how we do things. And I think it also puts us a little bit aside from, from some of the wineries that do a whole host of things. I mean, you can find wineries that do everything from sparkling to port, sweet and dry, white and red, and that becomes difficult and it becomes complicated when, when trying to, to bring across a brand message and trying to build a portfolio. Um, so I've always enjoyed the, Johan's approach in that, is that we, we do what we do and we do it well and to the best of our ability. And if we do something that we can't do best, to do best we just stop doing it basically. So in the, in the 80s, um, we were a you know, complete fruit salad. We grew Sauvignon and Chenin and, and uh, Pinot Noir. Um, and uh, you know, it was decided that we, we were never going to make the best Sauvignon. We were never going to make the best Pinot Noir. So why try? Stop. Focus on what we do well and um, and build success on it. And I think um, yeah, that gives you some some idea of of the the background and and uh, where we've come from. Um, and if you look at our portfolio, we we have the, we make the most wines now we've ever made. So we have uh, a rosé, which is the only non-red, which is made 100% from Pinotage in the Cadet range. Then we have the Cape Blend, which was the uh, original cadet. This came out as cadet dry red or Duroy, and it was effectively everything not good enough to be part of the, the top estate wines. And the first vintage we made of the, the Cape Blend was 1985. Then we released the cadet Pinotage in 2013. And now uh, last year we released a cadet Cabernet Sauvignon for the first time, which is um, currently exclusive to Woolworths and to our door. And then in the estate wines, we have the estate Pinotage and Cabernet, which were the first two wines we made, and both started in 73. The Paul Sauer, as I mentioned, in 81. And then the, the Black Label Pinotage, which is a single vineyard Pinotage, which we released for the first time in 2006. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Um, what's, what's very interesting is how congruent the wines have been over the years. <clears throat> and. Um, which, which brings me, you, you touched on it a little bit, but I would like you to, 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 to say a little bit more about, you know, why do you think this has been so congruent? It has to be in the winemaking philosophy somehow. So how would you, how would you actually um, summarize your winemaking philosophy at Kanonko? You know what, um, you know, what Aubrey always says, and if you, if you chat to Aubrey and, and Johan is, when Aubrey started here, he was, he was told that if you come to Canoncop, you make Canoncop wine. You need to make the wines in the style and that this property brings about. So he followed on from, from where Bears left off. You know, we, the vineyards we farm, obviously we look for improvements, but we make wines um, to age. We make wines in, you know, in, open, in open fermenters. We use the same coopers for our barrels that we've been using since the 70s. I'm not saying we don't try and improve, of course, are we, are we consistently looking at how, how to make things better, how to improve quality, but stylistically, it's the same. We're not trying to, to reinvent who we are. We know who we are, we're very secure in who we are, and we try to improve and tweak, but um, not to reinvent ourselves. Um, and that's, that's largely, largely part of it, is, it's that strong philosophy of, of, of the, who and what the property is. Oh, amazing. So, I mean, you, you, you mentioned that, you, you know, your, your, your main focus is on the wine. And um, I mean, that's what Kronkop is famous for. But you do have um, uh, guests coming to the farm. So what can people experience when they come to Kronkop? Say if you visit us, which at the moment um, we allow visitors uh, to the cellar door, but unfortunately there's no tastings offered at the moment. Usually, 
you come to the cellar door, you can taste um, all of the wines um, uh, for a normal fee. So we don't, we, we don't exclude poor sale or black label from tasting. They are available for tasting. There's, there's an extra price to pay or extra fee to pay for the black label, but you can really taste some absolutely world-class wines. Uh, and then besides for wine tasting, we have an art gallery. And our art gallery is, is focused around um, local artists. Most of them come from the Western Cape. And we've done some, some really fantastic exhibitions in the gallery. Um, and then for, if you will, or if you're wanting, um, you know, from time to time, we, we host some groups or we have, uh, you know, people that ask us for events. We have a small, a small uh, venue outside that we use for slip rice. And even those slip rice, you know, they're done in the same way as we, we run everything else in the business. They're done personally. They're done by the family. So if you book a slip rice at Canonkop, it'll be Paul and Ilza or Johanna Marie that'll be cooking the food, preparing it for you. Ilza will make the super tuck and bake the bread in her kitchen, or Marie will. Um, and you get to experience your evening with them and with wine, which I think is hugely unique. Um, it's not a restaurant, there's no, there's no staff, it's just you and them and a very sort of personalized experience um, on the farm. Well, that sounds fantastic. So, um, Deirdre, you, um, in terms of your, your um, distribution of your wines, I mean, um, Kanonka wines are available everywhere in South Africa and um, also overseas. Is, is your market breakdown in terms of South African and overseas, where, do you, where is your focus? We always try to, to look, at, look at the world as a whole. So, of course, South Africa remains our most important market. And we, we always um, will put favour towards South Africa, you know, even, even in vintages where where supply is small, or the, the vintage was small, South Africa will get the, you know, always get a, a good portion of it. Um, and we're currently selling about 60% of our reduction is in South Africa and 40% is export. And that export goes, we export to just, just around uh, 60, um, 60 markets. So we are quite widely available, but, uh, but we have a huge, um, a huge support base, a huge fan base at home in South Africa, which is amazing. Um, and I think that's where you want to be. If, if, if people locally and your neighbours, you know, your neighbours love the wine and Stellenbosch people come and buy wine from us all the time, we have a good, a good support in our town. I think that's important. So when visitors from overseas come here, come to South Africa or come to Stellenbosch and they meet friends or family or come to visit with people, people take them to bring them to Canonco. They, they take them to restaurants and share Canonco wines. So once again, that, that sort of personal connection that people have with the brand, they share onto others. So although we, um, we make a fair amount of wine, especially on the debt side, um, the estate wines remain quite limited in production. And we try and um, be as fair as possible when it comes to, to sharing out those wines. So most of the wines are on allocation. Um, so for, for companies that we've worked with for a long time, some of our import partners we've been working with for 20, 25 years. And they have a consistent supply and it's important um, you, know, you build a partnership with your importers we, we have good relationships with them and we're a part of their business and they're a part of ours we won't be successful without them and, and vice versa and i think that's a we have that understanding and um, and that support it's it's incredible oh that's that's interesting so um in terms of um you know a, a place like Kanonkop staying relevant in a in a changing market um there's all kinds of new trends um, evolving, you know, uh, pe people are starting to eat less meat and starting, there's a whole bunch of vegans out there in the world. 
do canon cup follow any um, trends or are you looking at millennials as, as a new market or do you just carry on with um, increasing your quality of your wines and 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 that is reflected in your marketing on the first point um quality wines wines made well and of high quality appeal to a large audience of people um so that is first and foremost obvious obvious focus you, you always focus on making the best putting the best possible wine you can in the bottle of course, we always try and put it in the bottle at the best possible price. You know, we, we strive to always over-deliver on quality for the price point. Um, secondly, consistency. So if, you, you know, if your father bought a bottle of Cadet in 1992 and you buy a bottle of Cadet today, it will still remind you of the same quality red wine that your father remembers or that he shared with you around a, you know, a, Sunday, a Sunday lunch table. And that consistency is important in, in times like we have now, where uh, people are, are when, when money is short, people are less experimental. They buy what they know. Um, big brands tend to do better. Uh, international brands tend to do better. You know, if you think of, I read a great article uh, written by uh, one of the top guys from Conchitoro, and that was amazing to see that if, you, if your brand is known and trusted, you, you pull through difficult times so much easier and so much better than new brands or brands that are not known because people have less money to spend and you know they'll rather spend a hundred grand on a, on a bankable bottle of wine that they know than spend a hundred grand on something they're not sure they're not sure they're going to enjoy so that's that's i think it's been one of the most important factors uh, for Canoncop during during the lockdown and during covid you know Canoncop has the people that have been drinking our wine and buying wine from directly you know for 20 or 30 years and they've continued which is amazing um uh, yeah, so in terms of changing and what we've done, Canoncop um, is, our wines are all vegan friendly, and I think that's important, um, and we do communicate that. So no matter whether you, you, you're vegetarian or vegan, you can enjoy our, you can enjoy our wines um, quite confidently. Um, making sure we put the best possible product in the bottle and put that product on the shelf at the best possible price. Making sure our wines are available and easy to access. Um, we, you know, funnily enough, it's, we didn't know at the time, but we recently re redid our, our website and simplified our, our wine shop, our online wine shop, and that went live just a couple of weeks before lockdown, which helped us immensely. <laughs> um, so we work with a lot of, uh, a num great number of retailers around the world. So you can find our wines in Carrefour, in, in, in Belgium, and in uh, Park in Switzerland. So it's made it easy for people to have access to the wines, and, and that as I said, was you know very very beneficial. And if you look at how people are shopping and how people are buying, and the change in uh, consumer behaviour, less and less people will go out to restaurants for the next while. More people are obviously buying at retail. They tend to want to buy at smaller stores closer to home. And of course, online has been has, has seen massive growth. And we were lucky enough to be available in all of those all of those channels. And we work with um, all the major retail groups in South Africa. We work with them online. So it's been really easy and simple for people to be able to access a bottle of Kanonko. Um, and of course, if, it's, if, it's, if, if you make it easy for a customer to get their hands on your product, then they will buy it. This is true. I think, um, you, you know, you're mentioning the coronavirus and, you know, uh, we all had to rethink our business models and um, you've touched on it a little bit, but there, are there any other changes or new things that you have in mind that you might've considered over this period? is always operated you know we're a fairly, fairly small team so we 
it's easier to to make changes when you need to there's no big corporate structure there's no you know not a lot of we're very flat structure we have you know we have sort of two, two or three levels so it's easy for us to to sit around or to, to put in a be on a team microsoft teams call or a zoom call between us and make decisions and make changes of what we need um, to adjust to what, what people are asking for. Um, we have seen that more and more people want to, as I say, buy, buy locally, um, support the farmer, which has been amazing. We're seeing much more people, many more people buy directly from, from the winery, which has been great. So the changes we've had to make is, you know, for, for myself even, that I usually work with, with the trade. I, I have very little to do with private customers. A colleague of mine, um, Heidi Gritzinger, she manages a private client business. So our private clients um, and our seller door have been inundated with orders and requests. Um, and so we've had to you know, reshuffle our workdays a little bit and reshuffle the man hours. So for those of us that are on, got involved in the trade side of the business, put in a couple of extra hours to help our seller door. And because we're a small team and we can react and make changes quite quickly, um, it was easy to do. You know, there was no big you know, meetings or things that needed to take place. It's guys and the seller door needs to team needs help, needs support, and we, we all jump in and, and, and get it done. Um, and I think that's also one of the, you know, it's, it's been usually beneficial to understand one another and one another's needs. But other than that, you know, our, our business our business was already designed in the, in the case that we were not terribly, we had, we had good um, on-trade exposure and a lot of restaurants that bought our wine, but we were mostly, uh, most of the volume of our sales were in the retail sector anyway. Um, and those are the sector. That's the sector retail and online. That's 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 growing. Um, obviously, um, online has done incredibly well. But, but we, yeah, we were with in that channel, selling to those to those customers already. So it's it's a case of um, making sure that you're available if somebody has a need, uh, responding, listening to what your customers are asking you to do or asking you for, and trying to help where you can, and just stay in touch and stay relevant. Oh, really, really good. I think you, you mentioned a few things. One of the things was the importance of the local market. And um, somebody um, uh, mentioned once to me that, you know, South Africa has one big secret and that most South Africans uh, know as many people outside of the country as inside the country. And I mean, this, I think this is especially true of your area there of Stellenbosch and surroundings. Do you find that um, uh, uh, word of mouth I suppose is still your biggest way to to actually get your awareness and your message out about Kanonkop. And um, a second part of that question is, do you um, actually embrace new things like um, social media and stuff, which is almost like a technology word of mouth? Or, or is that part of your your strategy? Pretty much so, and you've hit the nail on the head completely. So uh, as I was I was saying, you know, we have we have. Um, People that have been buying our wines for years and they're proud to buy Kanonkop and they're proud to serve Kanonkop. And they introduce so many people to the brand, um, whether they have friends or family from overseas coming to visit, they happily share Kanonkop with them, or whether they travel. And social media has been a very big, a very big part of, of, what, of our communication. Um, we have, you know, we have a, a, a good database of people that, that we try to chat to uh, you know, regularly. And when it comes to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, we, we work with all of those. And, we try and build as much direct conversations as we can. And a number of the, the partners we work with, the importers we work with, have a similar philosophy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've spoken to, I've met upper South Africans, whether it be in London or New York, who were saying that, you know, they, they love Kanonkop and they've come to the tastings that we've done. 
and um, when they have had their lunch or dinner with friends and family, we invite them around for a braai or a barbecue. They're happy to share kanonka because they're proud of it. They're proud of they're proud of this this wine from South Africa, and they they want to show their brag or, or you know yeah they they brag a little bit about what what products mm. come from South Africa. And I think that's amazing because if you've been introduced to something around a table with, with your friends or around a braai with some mates, you're more likely to take notice of it and to appreciate it. It's, that works so much more effectively and you're likely to internalize it and to take it on board than if you, you know, standing in a store and a promoter tries to come and tell you and, and, and sell you something. It's not nearly as effective. So, um, yeah, if it wasn't for, for people that, that loved the brand and supported us, we, we wouldn't, you know, we, we wouldn't be here today. So um, I think that's been one of the, you know, the biggest successes for us is, is that personal connection with people who love and share our wines. Deirdre, you've had an exciting wine journey. So what is the most important thing that you've learned from your wine journey so far? Um, number one, I love wine. So I, I'm first and foremost a wine person. You know, I was joking, if the wine industry had to end today, what would I do? I, I have no idea. I'm, maybe I'll go sell beer. But um, <laughs> I love wine. I, have a, I, I, love to, I love to drink wine. And I think if you love what you do and you love your products, and what makes the wine industry so much better is even in your down times, even in times when things are tough, at least you've got a product that you can enjoy. I mean, how do you wake up and be excited in the morning if you sell toothpaste toilet paper? It gets you out of bed. And it's very seldom that you work with people that are not nice or that you don't like. And it's very seldom that you travel to places that are not nice and you don't, and you don't like. So it's, you're usually um, fortunate in the industry. Um, it, is, it is a lot of work, though. Um, and there is a bit of a myth that you know the wine industry is so glamorous and it's easy. It's it's really not. And there's a lot of um, you know a hell of a lot of competition. It's probably one of the most competitive sectors in the world. And um, if you work for a winery in South Africa, I mean South Africa is only four percent of the world's production. It's small, and not that many people um, know about you. And it's a lot of a lot of um, sharing of stories and sharing of products and engaging with people that. That you need to need to do to to win them over, but it's it's usually pleasurable, very enjoyable, and I've loved it. Um, I hope I get to stay in the wine industry for the rest of my career. It's my plan um, for as long as they'll yeah for as long as they'll have me. Well, it's great that you love what you do. So, can you give us your very own wine quote or a wine quote that you've you know that you like? I suppose there's these two things that I, that I often say. You know, really great bottle of wine I describe it as this is a wine I can sit in the corner and drink you know the, the wine is so superb that you don't need conversation with it because conversation will just interrupt your, your thought process and, and processing and enjoying what you have in the glass so sometimes you get that really really special bottle and you think ah oh, I just want this for me I don't want to share it but um, I think from, from the business perspective and I, I really have always enjoyed the I enjoy the commercial side of the business I enjoy the business um, as much as I do wine. Uh, Deirdre, that's uh, been so interesting. Um, how do, um, if people want to get hold of um, Canon Cork, how do they get hold of you guys? Um, in terms of reaching out to chat to us or, or reaching out for some wine? Both. Um, uh, hopefully to buy wine and chat. Well, of course, so Monday to Thursday um, from 9 until 5, they're welcome to pop into the cellar door. We, we open. And you can find us then. We're happy to have a, a chat and some wine, and then also you're able to buy them here. 
And then our website, uh, canoncook.ca.za, you can read um, a lot of information about, about the history, about the winemakers. On the website, we also have vintage reports for each vintage um, showing, you know, showing, showing rainfall and temperature trends. Um, there's some video, a short video you can watch on, on watching the winemaking and process. Um, and you can order wine on our, on our online shop. Um, and then, um, of course, we're available, as I said, in all the major and uh, major retailers in South Africa. And you can find us, you know, you can find us um, quite often in, in all of your good wine stores. Okay, that's awesome. Didra, it's been a pleasure talking to you and um, very interesting. Thank you very much. I know you're busy for spending the time doing this. Um, and I think everybody will appreciate it. Thanks very much, Will. And for everybody else, thanks for listening. And thank you for continuing to support Kanonka um, Vessel, your wine of choice. Thank you for supporting our show. If you would like to get more exposure for your business, please have a look at our sponsorship options. Thanks again for supporting About the Winelands. Please follow us on YouTube and on our social media channels. All details and links are in the description. Bye.